Hello everyone and welcome to this edition of The Coach's Show. We had some technical difficulties uh, recording the first couple minutes of this show, so I'm just going to start recording here. In this episode, we will have a conversation with Bree Bellamy, Lily Talley, and then finishing it off with Coach Leffler. Hope you enjoy. Happy to have you on. Thank you for having me. I mean, yeah. Josh, you're really jumping right into it. <laughs> yeah, well, we have to. Why it's not? It's been a while. <laughs> well, we're gonna we're we're gonna ease in. <laughs> so it has been a while, Andrew. It's been what uh, over a month yeah, now. We, we got way too long something like breaks that. here yeah. at UMass. So we're finally back. Uh, first day of classes is in Thursday. Two two days Thursday, but. There is a women's basketball game against LaSalle at the Mullen Center tomorrow at 11 a.m. So if you're tuning in, make sure to come on down to the Mullen Center or give us a listen on 91.1 WMUA. But, Bree, coming into this season, grad transfer, final year, um, you know, it was up in, up in the air for what this season would be like. A lot of inexperienced players what has it been like for you being in this role of, you know, being that role model for a lot of the younger and experienced players? I mean, it's been great overall. I'm going into it, yeah, things were up in the air, and we knew that. Coach Leffler was very clear about that. Um, all the players on the same page, like we knew. It was 13 new girls having to get to know each other. Um, and honestly, like, I've just really embraced it, and I've really enjoyed the process. Um, I'm very close with the younger girls. Like, I feel like that's helped me like be able to be a good mentor, um, be someone they could look up to, while also just being a friend and someone that they can rely on, just like on a close level. Um, and then getting to know the older girls, that's probably the harder part, um, just because we're so close in the experience. Um, but just getting them to trust me and like, the Coach Leffler has also uh, trusted me as well. So overall, really good, honestly. So yeah. we've asked pretty much everybody this because, like like you said, everyone's new here or the few returners didn't play that much. Take us through your process of joining the UMass team. Ooh, okay. Mine was a little different because I graduated in August and not in um, May. So I was taking some summer classes, so I wasn't able to work out with everybody in July. Um, but I could hang out with them like afterwards and outside of the gym. So I was kind of behind the eight ball with getting to know everyone. Um, so really in August, once we went to Croatia, was when I really started to get to know everyone. And so from my like role, supposed to be a captain and a leader, like it was hard for, to get people to trust me at first because right. they didn't know me, and that's fair. Um, so that was probably like my biggest obstacle going into this. Um, but then after Croatia, we came back and we were into regular workouts. Um, slowly that started to, the trust started to roll in. Um, and then we started getting to preseason workouts and the season, and everything was just falling into place. Um, I think it's been definitely like definitely like a challenge. Like it's 13 new girls, but I mean it hasn't been hard if that makes sense. It's yeah. been a challenge, but been able to uh, take it on. Um, yeah. And then right now, coming to the end of winter break, just making sure everyone stays together. A long, long break. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we just made sure that we were like all like mentally in a good place and. As a grad student, I had to also make sure that everybody was okay. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so far, so far, so good for my process. Yeah, and as one of those leaders, you know, obviously the season hasn't exactly gone perfectly, but, you know, still there have been bright spots along the way as well. As that, you know, captain and leader on a team, how do you get your team to kind of, you know, continue to trust the process, not get down on themselves? Because, I mean, there's a lot of 
freshmen on this team that are playing. I mean, we'll talk to Lily Talale in a little bit, but mm -hmm. there's a lot of freshmen on this team playing huge roles that this is the highest level of basketball they've played. Yeah. Um, how is that getting them to stay in it, you know, when things aren't going well? Yeah, well, yeah, there's been some tough times, but I really just, me and Tori, just have to stay positive because like once like if we show any kind of like doubt or going down like that's just going to trickle down so we right. just know that we have to stay positive and keep reminding each other like hey like we're good i mean there hasn't been a conference game that we haven't like been competing in um and we have to remember that we're still growing like this is 13 new girls and you don't see that often yeah, so yeah. um definitely just reminding them to trust the process and i think like i said like the trust that's been built has helped them um just naturally follow along if that makes sense yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, and now, going into your your upbringing, mm. uh, I did some deep dive research <laughs> at the beginning of the season. So, and it, I find it interesting that they don't list it on your UMass profile. But mm -hmm. I don't know. Was that a? We'll get into that in a sec. But your dad, an NFL vet. Yeah. Your brother plays at Syracuse. Growing up, was there an expectation to play collegiate sports? Uh, yeah, I would say so. <laughs> I can't even lie. Yeah, there was. Um, but really, I thought I was going to play soccer in college. I played that since I was in kindergarten. I stopped my junior year of high school. So I really thought that was it. But I fell in love with basketball um, around like fifth grade-ish. So I kind of made the switch. But definitely an expectation <laughs> to play in college. And, and going, did you willingly, like, when they asked you like your bio did you ask for that not to be included or was it just kind of like no i just i don't know who makes the bios but somehow <laughs> they missed that one because that and what's, what's so funny about that is like i had no idea your brother played football mm. and i was watching a syracuse game and, and he like went down injured and i was really? like oh yeah, and yeah. it said like bellamy i was like no way i was like what are the odds <laughs> oh, of that yeah, i was yeah. like oh my god it's, it's and it's i simple. i actually did know because we talked earlier about one of my roommates his best friend is very close friends mm -hmm. with your younger brother yeah uh, small world yeah small small, very world. small That's world crazy. but yeah anyways back to you know more <laughs> on the court stuff the past four seasons at William & Mary, you kind of slowly phased the three-pointer out of your game yeah. to where last year you only shot it seven times. This year it's back, and you're shooting it at a very impressive clip. What do you credit that to? Honestly, uh, Coach Leffler and his motivation has really helped a lot. Um, when I was getting recruited, that was one of the first things he noticed. He's like, what's going on with the three ball? And I was like, yeah, like my confidence was low with it. So I just tapered off and stuck to the mid-range game. But he was like, yeah, let's get you shooting some threes. <laughs> <laughs> so I was doing that when I could during my workouts. Um, so I really had to, I, I, I credit him. And then every time in practice, if I turned down a three, he'd just be like, shoot the ball. Yeah. <laughs> shoot the ball. Um, yeah, definitely him. Definitely him. Yeah, and I would I will say also it feels like whenever we talk to Coach Leffler, whether it's in like a post game press conference or just here, he's talking about how a lot of the times his you know mindset is instill confidence in his players, like shoot the ball, don't be you know passive on offense. How important is that to like have your coach where you know maybe not so much at the college level, but maybe in high school you're gonna have your coach saying, all right, like calm down, pass the ball, play team basketball. Yeah. Obviously, he still wants you guys to play team basketball, but to have a coach have that confidence in you guys, what? how does that feel? I mean, honestly, that's something I struggled with my first um, three, honestly, my four years of undergrad. 
playing college ball was just my confidence. Um, and it really does come from the top. So having a coach that believes in you is really, it makes all the difference um, to me. And then I know the younger girls as well also feel it just to come into this, again, new, new style of ball uh, at a higher level, like having a coach that's like, just shoot the ball. Like, no, like he will never yell at you for taking a shot, like as long as you take it. Um, they make, it really makes all the difference. And we saw in that, that Rhode Island game, and it, 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 you specifically on the defensive end kind of blew me and Josh away. We were talking about it that first half. How do you keep that morale up and, and the intensity when, when, you know, you guys are on a skid, but and, and then you face a rival, although it's barely a rival because you guys have never played them before, but <laughs> yeah. I guess for us it feels yeah, like it yeah. is. Mm -hmm. uh, and... Like and on paper, they're a very good team, but you go out there and you guys play that first half just unbelievable all around the court. You are 100% from the field. How do you keep that mentality going? Um, honestly, you just got every time that they make a run you just got to remember like it's going to happen and then like we just have to respond it's the same thing during our practices um, if one team makes a run the other team just has to come together and be like okay this is their run time for ours um, so in the URI game again we knew that they're really good on paper and they're yeah. a very good team um, so we just knew we had to bring it and like take it to an extra level um, and then just making sure that we all instill that confidence in each other on the court and I guess before we let you go for the remainder of the season, I think there's nine games left. What is your goal, whether it's personal, team, anything like that for, you know, uh, you know, just for the rest of the season? Um, going for it, hey, w winning the tournament. <laughs> winning the A-10 tournament, for sure. But honestly, the only thing I can ask for is just us to keep growing as a team. I mean coming onto this uh into this program i knew i had one year left 13 new girls like i just wanted to make an impact and just being able to leave and all the girls know that like they have me to rely on is yeah. all i could really want yeah all right well thank you brie for coming out right before the i guess you have a game tomorrow and field so, yeah. trip day field trip day get ready for uh, yeah. loud. thousands of loud. screaming kids <laughs> Let's get away. all right thank you brie we'll thank be right you. back you're listening to 91.1 wmua sports hello this summer make sure to leave your window open run the ac or take your dog with you when leaving the car and every summer thereafter dogs are great at many things regulating body temperature is not one of them Will you be an angel for a helpless worm? Every day, worms are left stranded and neglected on the pavement in harm's way. You can help rescue these worms from danger by moving them back onto the grass. You can give these worms a second chance. Right now, there's a worm on the concrete that needs you. I just find this node right where the old broken bike used to be. Oh. The one without the front wheel? Why is it written with newspaper cutouts like a, like a ransom note? We are a group of five individuals. We have your bike. It's not my bike. Silence! We are a fully operational institution. UMass Bike Co-op. And we are done playing games. So, did you take the bike, like, to fix it? Yes. It's refurbished, you see. 
we are masterminding a plan to repair every bike in the Pioneer Valley. Starting with your precious UMass. That sounds lovely. It's not! Well, we also sell bikes and accessories like helmets and locks and cool stuff. Oh, I need a bike. I live in Sylvan and most of my classes are in Eisenberg. <laughs> Come if you dare! We are holding your bike hostage on Wednesday and Thursdays at 11 to 2 p.m. and Friday 11 to 4 p.m. Room 370 in the Student Union. You know when you're free. PTW, follow us on Instagram at UMass Bike Co-op or by email at UMassBikeCoop at UMass.edu. No bike is safe, except for with us. Hi, this is Lily Tolale, and you're listening to 91.1 WMUA Amherst, the official radio network of the UMass women's basketball team. Welcome back to the quarters for this coaches and players show. We just talked to Bree Bellamy, and now we're talking to the freshman standout, Lily Tolale. Thank you for joining us, Lily. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. We're excited uh, to have our first coaches show in a while. We were talking about that earlier, but um, big game coming up tomorrow against LaSalle at home. Just a reminder for everyone listening, 11 a.m. be at the Mullen Center. But... Lily, I guess overall, how has the season gone for you so far, adjusting to you know college basketball? Give it, give it a grade, I guess. Um, I a plus. So far, I was going to say A plus, 10 out of 10. Um, I've really enjoyed it so far. It is quite a new experience for me coming from New Zealand. International basketball is a, it's a big jump from playing FIBA rules to playing NCAA rules. Um, but the team here, the people here, Coach Leffler, the whole coaching staff really... Um, have made it a very easy adjustment for me. I have loved traveling around with everyone. I've loved seeing all the different places across the United States. I've only ever really been to the West Coast, so moving to the East Coast yeah. was really different on its own, but all the traveling's been great. I've been loving getting back to class. I know most people don't like going back to class, but I'm excited <laughs> to meet some more people on campus and the season itself. Um, although not, I guess, reflected in our um, in our games and some of the results, I've had a really great time developing as a player and as a person. Take us through some of the differences between the international game to the NCAA game, because it, it seems like, from what I've seen, it is, is that college can be a lot less physical in some ways, but also it, it kind of depends. There are moments where there is more physicality. Yeah, I think you explained it really well. There are, there are definitely moments in the NCAA where it's a lot more physical. Um, I think just people are a lot bigger over here, especially for, like, when you play age group basketball in New Zealand, I would be the biggest person that you would see. Um, so coming here and kind of being undersized um, yeah. was a really big change. Um, one of the biggest things that I had to adjust to was the change in shot clock. So we play with the 24 second and reset to 14 instead of 30 second shot clock. Um, and yeah, I think you can see from my first few games here, yeah, I fouled <laughs> a lot. <laughs> like I, I really gave my all. I didn't adjust to that um, until quite recently. And so I think adjusting to the physicality of the game was the, the biggest struggle that I had. Um, but through a lot of film and a lot of talking with Coach Leffer and especially Coach Fitz, our post coach, I've reduced my, foul my fouls down significantly over the last few games. <laughs> 
Yeah, it, 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 I noticed it from like this. I think the oh, first yeah. game, I was like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, take her. There there are a couple like hip checks. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think she just completely just I, I definitely blew someone that. up in the first game, and I was like, all right, well, she's not gonna be able to do that yeah. anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember Coach Fitz with a head in the hands, and I was like, no, like gonna do that. Here? <laughs> um, but yeah, I get just talk about the process of you know, deciding to come to the States to play college basketball. Had you been to the States before college? Um, you know, why UMass? Mm. Uh, fun fact, I was actually born over here. Oh. I was born in L.A., so I have dual citizenship. So that okay. was something a little interesting and also makes it a lot easier in terms of, like, paperwork yeah. of actually moving over here. Um, my, I always had my eyes set on coming to play college in the States. I think New Zealand's a great country and international basketball is amazing, but... In terms of um, getting an education at the same time, there's a cap on the opportunities in New Zealand and Australia. So um, always have my eyes set on coming over here and getting a degree and playing in the NCAA. Um, I did three months at a prep school before I came here um, down in Florida. And so that kind of gave me a little bit of an introduction into the style of play and things. Um, but I really enjoyed that experience. And so it just kind of sealed the deal for me. Like, yeah, I definitely do want to come over here. I loved being in a new country, meeting new people, and um, you really get a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with coaches over here, which is amazing, and I think really helps individual player development. So, yeah, yeah I've always had my eyes set on coming over. So how does a school like UMass find an international player like you? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have no clue, no. It, it took a lot of work. Um within a large group of people. I had a really good support group back home. My dad especially was really, really helpful in um, getting me over here. We, I worked with someone called Dave D'Agostino, who was kind of like an, I would say like an agent for me. So basically he would take my film and anything and then put it out to his contacts and see, you know, who was looking and where can I fill a space. And I started, because being an international, you have to start really early to try and get your names in because you think you're competing with everybody in your own country plus all of the girls. Right in America and that's, that's a lot of people um, so I started probably when I was probably 16 I started to just put any kind of film out there just to get feelers and then as you start to get a few more offers then other schools start to pick up on you so it's kind of like like a high school popularity thing like once oh, one yeah. person sees you then everyone's like oh like <laughs> if they like them maybe I will too and it's it just kind of builds from there definitely a game within a game oh 100% I did not realize how complex like how complex it was but there's a lot that goes into it so I have a lot of people to thank for getting me here but especially the coach Leffler reaching out to me and taking a chance on me, I mean, I didn't visit or anything before I came. I just was like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> you, you could do the Kristen Williams and list every single person. I think she, she spent <laughs> yeah, a good, she <laughs> probably two minutes, like, just oh, listing God. different people that she had to thank for getting it. It was, it was pretty funny and <laughs> pretty funny and cool to see. Yeah. Did you did you like the process of, you know, finding your college or were you kind of like, I mean, it's different for me because I wasn't coming to play sports or anything, yeah. but I hated the college process. I was like, just tell me where to go and I'll go there. Was yeah. it similar for you or more <laughs> like... like it's a completely different process. <laughs> no, it, it's for, completely different, for, but I'm saying Josh like... wanting to go to school no, here. No, it's even more stressful <laughs> for her though. No, I definitely, in the beginning I loved it because I love talking to people. Like I love yeah. public speaking, all those things. Um, so I was like, oh, I get to like get a phone call and this is so cool because... 
like I said, New Zealand's really small. Not many people get to leave and get these kind of opportunities. So I was like, that's so cool that I get to do that. But I will admit, the more it went on, I was like, oh my God, like, <laughs> you know, another phone call and the time difference. So I'd be doing calls for schools at like 3 a.m. Yeah. just to like fit their schedule. So it did get a bit daunting where I was like, I just want to commit to summer. But I never wanted to go somewhere that didn't fit. Like, I didn't want to commit just for the sake of it. And so when UMass came along, I was like, finally, like, yeah. I've actually found a great place, great people. I love the, the academic side of it, basketball, everything. So it was kind of like, it was a gift, really, to get an opportunity to come here. And so that's why I jumped at it. Yeah. And then I guess if you have other questions, go for it. But we, oh, yeah, I can keep going. I can talk I, to Lily all day. No, I know. <laughs> but we got we got a rapid fire segment. I know. We, I'm getting ooh, excited are we, oh, for. Are we, are we gonna keep going? Are we I because we could definitely keep talking. I got some Go for stuff. It. Go um, for it. So you mentioned your dad and how important he was. Um, what's the role? What was the role of your parents in basketball growing up? And also, a, a follow up to that is how how great was it to see them up here for a while, able to watch you play, and then. Just what were the logistics of that trip? Because I feel like that oh must have God. been ridiculous. It, it really was. It was amazing to have them here. Like, I, I have a very big family. I'm an only child, but, like, I have a, quite a huge family. So um, we're, we've always been around each other, and I've never really been in an environment where my family hasn't been there. Um, so coming here and being quite independent, it was it was a big change for me. But having them here was so lovely. I like to look into the crowd and see my both my parents. Um, I like looking because my dad's always really focused. My mom's always really stressed out, and it's just it like takes me away from the game for a second. I'm like, ah, like <laughs> no matter how long I play, like she'll always be stressed out and he'll always be locked in. Um, but yeah, the role of my parents, basketball was never my first sport. We played this thing called netball in New Zealand. I don't know if you've ever seen I, those. I have. It's, yeah. it's a goofy oh, sport. It is a, goofy, a goofy sport. sport. <laughs> it's got the, the hoop with no backboard. Uh -huh. yeah. So that was, my mum played that. And so she was like always kind of a pusher for that sport. My dad was always like, nah, like, you can do something cooler than that. <laughs> I played basketball, so you're going to play basketball. Um, and then as I grew up, they were, they were both always just really supportive of whatever I had a passion for, they were going to help me with that. Um, the logistics, I try to stay out of that because that's, that's smart decision. it is like, a, must have been ridiculous. I mean, it is, what's it called? Basically, New Zealand's like a day ahead of us. So they lose a day when they travel here, but it's a 14-hour flight to Houston, and then you fly to Boston, and then you drive into Amherst. Oh, so man. it meant a lot to me the fact that they would put themselves through that a couple times to come to come visit me. When, when we flew down to Charlotte, I was like, I don't, I don't, yeah. I'm done. And it was like it was like it was like a two-hour flight, yeah. and I was like, I'm exhausted. I can only imagine. Yeah. That when we went travel. to Croatia, everyone was like, it's seven hours. I was like, I could do that in my sleep. Like that <laughs> is a casual flight. <laughs> Easy. Um, but yeah, let's get into the rapid fire segment. Okay. No, no stress. You don't have to answer actually <laughs> rapid fire, but just some questions to get to know you for fans at home. So, I guess we'll start off. Favorite meal at home that is not common here. Oh gosh. Okay. Favorite meal at home that's not common here. We have this indigenous. So I'm Maori, which is indigenous to New Zealand, and we have this thing called a hangi, which is food that's cooked underground. And it'll be, it's like normal food, but just yeah. the way it's cooked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know, it sounds, so they, you like dig a hole and you put all of the food under there. You put like hot rocks and cover it up, That's take cool. it out, and it'll be stuff like stuffing, sweet potato, which we call kumara, um, chicken, all those kind of things, vegetables, sometimes seafood. Like, I would say that that's probably my favorite thing to eat. 
that's not here. It sounds like a fun process to make it, too. Yes. I never do that. I just eat it. Yeah. But <laughs> watching people is fun. Yeah, there you go. Um, and then, I guess, favorite hobbies in your free time when you're not playing basketball? Favorite hobbies? I just say spending time with my friends and family. Back in New Zealand... Um, where I live specifically, we're surrounded by water, so sometimes me and my best friend will just go get a bunch of food and then go to the beach and just hang out there together. Um, sometimes I'll just get my grandparents in the car, take them for a drive. You know, they're old, but I like to hang out with them. Um, so, yeah, I think the best kind of... I, my favourite thing to do outside of basketball is to do nothing around the people that I love. Perfect. I, I can totally relate to that. That's, yeah. a, that's a good one. Um, do you have any pets? Do you want any pets? Yes, my uncle has a dog, and I tried to convince my parents that when I left, they would need one to like comfort them, so that when I come back, I could also have the dog, but they said no. It's like having I'm, a dog without any of the responsibilities. Exactly. I'm like, I, you only have one child. Why not just have a dog there and replace go. me for a little bit? Didn't work? No. So uh. I love dogs, and so when, my uncle, when I go back, I'm going to steal my uncle's dog for a while. It's an English pointer. It's so cute. Oh, nice. Nice. Uh, next question. Did you play other sports growing up? You mentioned netball. Yes, I played netball. I also did this um, thing called dragon boating, which is like, it's a water sport. I did it in the summer to just kind of fill my time. It's a big boat, and it has 10 people on each side, and you just basically do a minute sprint race. Wow. And you just paddle on one side. Um, I did that. I also played hockey when I was younger, field hockey. Oh, yeah. I quit that early because I got too tall that my back oh, got yeah, really sore. Yeah, trying yeah, to like hold the stick. Oh yeah. Um, and then I gave touch rugby a couple of goes, which is like your version of like flag football kind okay. of thing. We have to rip the things. Yeah. I was never allowed to play normal rugby because yeah. I would have just been broken. To yeah. be honest, I, I feel like you would have you would have been pretty good though. <laughs> well, I think because I'm so tall, I'm just such a big target. Mm. I yeah, that's been true. Out. Yeah, we have a big rugby family. And I was always like, yeah, but nah, not for you. <laughs> not for you. I, you chose the right sport. I think so. Um, at UMass, favorite place to eat, whether it's a dining hall, blue wall, roots, anything like that? Mm. On the go, roots, I love. And then to sit down, Burke is my okay. favorite. They always they always have something like special going on yeah. compared to all the other places. What do you get from Roots? Oh, those buffalo chicken quesadillas. Yeah. Ooh, so good. Yeah. So good. What about what about outside of UMass? Like you go downtown or or anywhere, mm. just like any any sort of dining experience. I love Quench. The smoothie oh, bowls, yeah. and then uh -huh. there's a place next Shout to out it. Steph the, su yes. <laughs> <laughs> the sushi restaurant next to it. I cannot remember the name of it right now. Uh, uh, Saigon something, maybe something Miss like Saigon. that. But me and Avery Childers recently have been going on little roommate dates there, and it's been great. Uh -huh. That is a great place. Shout to out to them. Maybe potential NIL deal in the right? future. <laughs> sushi <laughs> restaurant. Yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> um, Pre-game. Okay. Pre-game song. You're on the bus. You're pulling up to the arena. What What is the, your favorite song to have queued up? I listen to Smooth Criminal before every game by Michael Jackson. Oh, that's, Ooh, okay. that's a good pick. Yeah, <laughs> I really gets me. Really gets me in the mood. I don't know why, but it used to be Deja Vu by Beyonce. But these last like this year, Smooth Criminal's been my go-to. Good song. Yeah. Back to the classics. And then <laughs> final one. Favorite career basketball moment before college. Um, I would say 
I played an amateur contract um, for a pro women's team back home, and we won the chip for the inaugural year of the season. Wow. And we won the championship. And I would say that that is definitely my basketball highlight. It felt so good to be part of such an amazing team of like a really wide range of women. Like we had women from Europe, local women. Um, my parents own that part of the team, and so it was nice. I felt, I felt good for them. Yeah. To be like they put in so much hard work and for our team to win. We had a great celebration after. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I said that was the last question, but I have to follow up on that. <laughs> what is it like playing for, you know, like it's – so how would you describe it? Like amateur professional pretty much? Yeah. Or? So the – Best thing is I get to do all of the training and all the hard work, but I don't get anything free. I don't get paid. (laughs) I don't get to do any of that stuff. Um, But I think it's more of just about the opportunity to learn um, from women who have played their college careers, gone and played in pro in Europe, and then come over here. Like last year, we had Chris Linkar and Maya Dodson in our team. Maya Dodson played at Stanford and Notre Dame, and Chris had just finished her career at Louisville. So kind of talking to them, they also helped me a lot to prepare for NCAA, just kind of learning what it's all about and how they adjusted and going from different schools. So, yeah. Maybe this is the last question, or maybe we just keep going. Okay. I don't know. But, <laughs> I don't know. But, but we see a lot with, with players from the States. They, they kind of have, like, clicks with their states. Like, New Jersey basketball mm. is different, and then Indiana and whatever. But being from New Zealand, there's only a handful of, of players that play in college basketball. Mm-hmm. How is your relationship with some of those players, and how have they helped you as well? Yeah, we're all actually pretty close, because like you said, there's such a select handful of us, is that it's quite a unique experience being an international student, and sometimes, even though there might be someone from France, like it, it's still different, depending right. on your country. Um, so we, I reach out to people often. There's a girl... I mean, we're all split it out pretty far. There's one other men's player who's in the A10. He's in Davidson. I just missed him. Where he had an away game when we oh. played there. Um, but yeah, like being able to meet up in those kind of environments is pretty cool. But yeah, it's it's a very unique experience. So it's nice to talk to them and be like, "Do you miss home? Do they say this <laughs> word funny to you too? Like, do they not understand you too?" That kind Especially of in the Boston area, you probably. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, I, a lot of people in Boston actually understood me more. I don't know if it's because I say words like car and water. And oh, it yeah. could be. Yeah, honestly. That yeah. one actually made more sense to me. I was yeah, like, yeah. I like it here. Like, <laughs> you talk like me. But in other places like California, it was, I couldn't understand much. Yeah. But, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Lily, for joining thank us. You. Uh, great. Good luck tomorrow and the thank rest you of the so season. Much. Thank uh, you. Thank you. We got another segment coming up. Almost just signed off for the rest of it. But you're listening to 91.1 WMUA. WMUA is on social media. If you want to stay up to date on the latest news from the radio voice of UMass Amherst, like us on Facebook, WMUA 91.1 FM. Our Twitter and Instagram is also full of great content. Follow both at WMUA. For exclusive footage at our events and a behind-the-scenes look at our studio, follow us on Snapchat. Our username is WMUA FM. That's WMUA 91.1 FM on Facebook, at WMUA on both Twitter and Instagram, and WMUA FM on Snapchat. Snapchat. Imagine. Imagine being denied an apartment because of your religion, or your race, or because you have children, or a disability. It's so wrong. Yes, but who has the power to stop this? You do. Each of us has the power. 
The law is on your side. It's illegal for landlords to discriminate because of race, color, religion, sex, national origin, disability, or familial status. If you suspect that you have experienced housing discrimination, file a complaint with HUD immediately so we can investigate it. Fair housing is your right. Use it. To learn more, visit HUD.gov slash fair housing. That's HUD.gov slash fair housing. Or call 1-800-669-9777. 1-800-669-9777. A public service message from HUD in partnership with the National Fair Housing Alliance. Phew. The project to open up all the manholes on campus was a big success. Gee, I love walking around and texting all my... Whoa! Whoa! Watch where you're going. Don't text and walk. Man, do I love card night. You ready, boys? You got a king? Go, fish that! Oh, come on! <laughs> this is WWE superstar Titus O'Neil. The smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Let's add a little bit of water. And this much vodka. Perfect. Aurora Borgialis is finished. Don't be like them. Drink responsibly. Hey, Pioneer Valley. Are you looking to get involved in the local music scene? Or just looking to catch a hot gig? Then look no further. We are SALT, Students for Alternative Music at UMass Amherst. We book shows in and around the UMass campus featuring local and touring acts two or three times a month. To find out more about upcoming events or to get involved, check out our Facebook page, Students for Alternative Music. WMUA Production Committee. What are you, a lawyer? What? I haven't. Making award-winning PSAs for public events. It's bus riding time. Don't put your fork in the toaster. For UMass Amherst and the Pioneer Valley. I wouldn't be an honest man if I said I wasn't scared. South Hadley Methodist Church. If you have an event you want to promote, send the info to WMUA production at umass.edu. Bone marrow transplant? Bruh. What? Unbelievable! I think the painting symbolizes my parents' divorce. This is Mike Leffler, head coach of UMass Women's Basketball, and you're listening to WMUA 91.1 FM Amherst, your home for Minute Women Basketball. Welcome back to the quarters segment three of three. Here we've got head coach Mike Leffler of the UMass women's basketball team. Thank you so much for joining us again after a, a bit of a hiatus for the uh, winter break, but excited to be back here at the quarters. Got a nice environment. Uh, how's everything going? Great, Josh. Thanks for having me. Andrew, good to see you guys. Really appreciate, um, you know, George hosting us here as oh, always. Yeah. And again, um, just really excited to get this show off the ground. 
with your help, with WMUA's help this year, and hopefully just going to continue to grow and grow and get better and better each year. So really appreciate it and happy to be here. Absolutely. So, you know, we'll jump right into it. Obviously, it has been a little bit of a rocky start to the season. Uh, felt like we had something with that Dayton game and then into the slew in Richmond games. Then the Sal game happened, have them coming up again soon. But you mentioned in the post game against URI that that felt more like it did against Richmond of like, you know, the effort was there. It was just going up against a, a great team in Rhode Island. How are you feeling overall about the team right now? Well, again, I just think we've hit a couple of different resets this year and by necessity. And heading into A-10 play, I was really excited like, to get our team healthy and refocused on the right things. And I thought we had a really, really good mindset as a team um, going down to VCU. And even though we lost down there, yeah, they were off to a great start. I thought we played um, solid basketball. And I thought we strung together like three, three and a half quarters of good basketball. And came back home and, as you said, um, was able to – to get the win against Dayton, and I thought we'd be off and running. And St. Louis game hurt just because we had a double-figure lead in the third quarter. But again, I thought we were still giving effort and playing good basketball, and then I do think we took steps backwards after that Richmond game, So, which I alluded to in my post-game comments. And, um, you know, we've been fighting, giving effort and, and executing for all 40 minutes. And finally, against URI, I thought that was more like the team that I want us to be. And URI was was better uh, that day for sure, but I thought we put up a great fight, especially getting tested early. You know, going down eight eight zero, yeah, um, not having any momentum whatsoever, and just to be able to fight back, cut it to five at the half. Again, I was really really pleased and proud with who we were that day as a team. And now, do we have to get better? Um, on the offensive side of the ball, absolutely. On the defensive side of the ball, for sure. There are things we can continue to improve on individually and as a team. But again, I think the effort and the togetherness was there against URI. And that's the team I want us to be um, for the remainder of the season. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when you when you do have a team going through those rough patches and things aren't working, for example, on offense, is there a thought where you're like, hey, do we need to change some sort of scheme offensively or do you kind of just stay the course and you know hope that things start to click well I think you just continue to evaluate your team and adjust throughout the season you know I'm never into making like wholesale changes right. spur of the moment changes but yes we've we've added a couple different things offensively over the past few weeks just to again put our our players in better individual positions to succeed and so I think we're slowly making those adjustments, and we slowly have. Um, now we still have to go out and execute those things. And, I mean, that's what I'm most excited to see. But, yes, we've made some adjustments, um, small adjustments, um, day in and day out on the offensive side of the ball and on the defensive side of the ball. And, and hopefully that will put us in better positions to succeed moving forward. And offensively, it seems like turnovers has, has been a, a real killer of momentum and to start games. There's been a couple games where I feel like out of, out of, out of the gates it's been like maybe two shots and five turnovers. Uh, and it's been a combination of, of kind of forcing passes, defenses reading the plays. How has the coaching staff worked on, worked on players both balancing running plays and making a basketball play? 
Yeah, I mean, I think we've been trying to balance that, honestly, all year. And when we started A-10 play, you know, our team came up with a few game goals and turnovers and limiting turnovers um, was one of those goals. And it's something we talk about at, at every timeout um, at the end of quarters. And again, I want it to be a reminder, a motivator for our team. I don't want it to, to lock them up so they can't make basketball plays. But, I, you know, overall, honestly, it's just been our carelessness with the basketball that has hurt us. You know, and, and we've watched film individually. We've watched film as a team. You know, we can't go three, four, five possessions not getting a shot attempt or not running great offense and then come down the floor and, and try and thread the needle on a pass. You know, that's where there's got to be maturity, especially at the guard spot to say, wait a minute, let's run offense. Let's make the other team defend and let's see if we can get something a little bit later in the shot clock. And and that's something I talk about. It's something we've tried to make some adjustments on at practice, um, getting the ball inside out a little bit more. And for me, I'm excited to see if we can take steps forward in that regard, because it's something that's been an Achilles heel for us for most of the season. Yeah. And I think, you know, separate from individual games this season but one thing that lots of UMass fans knew about you coming into this season was that I guess your prowess developing players specifically forwards we heard from you know Sam Breen uh, lots and lots about you know she was raving about you and a lot of it was you know forwards learning to shoot the three better whether it be Sam or McKenna White in the past but um, we've seen it with Bree shooting and making more threes than ever but on a team where you rely so much on young forwards, specifically like Chi and Lily T, is it harder to just let them develop when you, you know, you count on them to play 20 to 30 minutes um, in a game, and they have a huge role when they're on the floor? Yeah, I think the big, you know, in the last five years, or I guess the last three years when I was here at UMass, I really focused and worked with our forwards. When I first got here, I worked with more of the guards, um, and really have gone back and forth in all my my career before taking over the head coaching role here. I think my biggest challenge, and I've been very vocal about it with my staff and uh, you know with some peers of mine, is <clears throat> trying to understand and trying to be able to affect affect our players more individually. Because I did feel like you know, as an assistant coach, you feel like you have a real hand in the day to day development. You're very much hands on, you know, and as a head coach. That's just less of your role. Right. You know, you're so worried about the big picture and the team. So I'm still trying to balance that. And I think for me growing into this role, um, that's where I think I'll become better and better as as I get more seasoned. You know, um, you know, what's our off season going to look like each year? What's our summer prep going to look like? Our fall prep? How involved am I going to be? Um, in the individual development. Yeah. You know, I've thought about our summer this past year where so much of our time in August was dedicated to just trying to get 10 new players on the same page and learn an offense and a few defenses to take to Croatia. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and we had to be organized going to Croatia and, and you have 10 new players. So, so much at the time in August was dedicated to that and not really being hands-on on individual player development. So I think I'm still trying to balance that. Um, but, you know, you mentioned the post players. I think Claire Fitzpatrick on our staff does a really nice job, and she and I connect on one, what I want Lily and Cheneye and Bree and McKenzie to continue to work on. And it's my goal for all of our players to become the best players they can be and reach their ceilings. You know, and everyone's ceiling is going to be different, but I want everyone to feel like that they're working and, and they're seeing improvement in getting there. And, and I just have to continue, you know, to grow and understand how I can affect players individually. 
I, I guess, sorry, Andrew, just to follow up to that, do you think it's harder for the players specifically when they have such a big role but also being very unexperienced? Not I won't I won't say to develop, but to have more of a relaxed, like, hey, it's one thing if you're going out there for five minutes or playing every other game or something to really just focus on practice and developing certain aspects of their game. But they're going out there and they've got to, you know, focus on stopping some very experienced teams. Yeah. Um, do you think it's much more difficult in that sense of, like, just easing them into the college basketball? Yeah, I think it's difficult because there's such a newness for them. You know, not for Bree, obviously. Right. But for the rest of our post group. And and, and we live in an instant, gra- instant gratification world. Um, so I have tried to stay patient and positive with them. And, you know, like Cheneye and Lily Talley, you know, just use the two freshmen as an example. I think are doing great things, and I, I there's such a bright future for them. Right. And both are very hard on themselves, too. Um, so I see them get down on themselves very easily, But from and I can only share my perspective. I think they're doing great, you know, and, and there are times where I'm like, it's okay to be hard on yourself. Most successful people are. Yeah. But also understand, like, that your head coach really thinks you're doing an, an awesome job and all this experience you're getting. And I said this to both of them. During the URI game and after the URI game, I mean, that was a physical game. Yeah. And they were going up against really talented post players, and they held their ground, and they did really, really well. And that should just – that's – games like that, despite the fact that we lost, are supposed to give us a lot of confidence. Um, and it's no different than the Richmond game. Like, us to go down there and, you know, take the lead, albeit briefly in the third quarter against Richmond, who's, you know, arguably the best team in the league, and, and fight them for 40 minutes – we're supposed to walk out of there with our heads high, feeling really, really confident. Same thing with URI. And that that's where there's a misconnection, you know, where I don't see that. I see that, you know, just sometimes our team takes that as another loss. Right. And they don't see the positives that come with it. So I think from an individual um, standpoint and a team standpoint, you know, that, that's kind of my messaging. Yeah. So taking a deeper dive into the, into the day-to-day, how different – do practices look when when you have a team I, I, I don't mean to compare like last year's team to yeah, this year can. but I, it, it's an interesting thing that I always think about it's, it's how different do practices look when you have a team last year that is is more focused on or, or their, their eyes are set on the conference championship and now it's, it's just trying to get in the win column how different do practices look practices look very different and to be quite honest with you I think last year's team could have really benefited from the way practice is structured this year. And this year's team might, you know, get some good out of last year's practices because, yeah, last year's team had been together for so long. And, you know, I think they were, they were the drill work was monotonous for them, you know, a lot. And, and they could probably could have benefited more from situational basketball and just more playing. Um, this year's team probably could benefit from some more drill work. I'm happy to have the practice guys coming back on Thursday, um, which will help. But I also want to balance because I know we're in a rough patch, you know, and I want to keep our players engaged. So I'm trying to make practices as competitive as possible, whether a three-on-three or five-on-five setting, and really trying to teach in those settings, not necessarily just do drill work each and every day. So, um, you know, it's something I think about. It's something our staff thinks about. Um, you know, more now than ever because I'm in charge. It's just that level of engagement, remembering, you know, that 
that's it's how you do things and just trying to keep our players moving in a, in a really good direction but good question there Andrew um, and you look at this team and from day one you always talk about rebounding focus for the team um, obviously very I guess you have a lot of inexperienced players at the forward um, and the results haven't exactly been there uh, not to ask it black and white, but, like, <laughs> why do you think that is? Just why our record is our record? No, no, no. Uh, rebound. Uh, rebound. Why is it, do you think rebounding has been a struggle? I, I, I think it comes down to um, yeah, willingness. It's something we talk about. And is there a willingness to 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 rebound, whether on the offensive end? We have, we have responsibilities, offensive rebounding and responsibilities, defensive rebounding. And we chart those, and it's something I've shared. We've shared with the team, and we share with them every every game you know and and it's been inconsistent and are you willing to put your body on someone else's body and keep them from getting the ball and again we haven't found the answer to that and that's you know ultimately it falls on my shoulders like i have to get people bought in because as i've told our team and i've told you guys and it's not a knock but we're not going to be the most talented team on the court night in and night out i mean there's going to be a couple games we will be um but I don't want to hang my hat. I don't want to win because of talent. I want to win because we're paying attention to details. We're really tough. And, and you know, we've come up short in rebounding. And, you know, it's something that we continue to work on. But unfortunately, just like you brought up with the turnovers, it's something that our team and our staff think is important. And we just haven't been able to, to um, come up with the answer. And that's the frustrating part because I, I think rebounding is a controllable. And – Regardless of the result, it seems like this team is is really close knit. It, it, like just the relationships on the or of the players with each other is 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 really interesting. And, and even from like my experience from last year to this year, it seems like they're closer. How are they able to do that? Even with even with the kind of unsuccessful season to this point, well, I think top to bottom, like. And this was, I was excited in the recruiting process, top to bottom, really have quality people um, on our roster. And I think that's most important. And I think I do preach a lot about just, you know, sticking together and respecting each other and, and going on the journey together. And as I've told our team, you know, wins are easier to celebrate because you're doing them together and losses are easier to take because you're going through them together. I mean, I don't coach track. I don't coach golf. Yeah, it's a team sport. Um, you know, so I think that what I did hope and what I'm still hopeful for, because we still have a lot of season left, is, you know, the teams that are closer and can stick together win games in February. You know, and if you really splinter and split apart, I mean, we, we, you see teams quit this time of the year. So I hope that togetherness leads to something, and it should. And the fact that it hasn't, it doesn't stump me, but um. That's got to account for something. And, and for us not to keep it together during those moments of adversity, which we're going to face no matter who we play. There's always going to be moments of adversity, and we'll have moments of adversity tomorrow. And it will be yet another challenge to see how we respond. And against URI in the first quarter, we responded. And in the third quarter, we weren't able to respond. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that tomorrow. Uh, awesome. Going into that LaSalle game, I know I know you hate the the question post game of of yeah. thoughts on LaSalle or, or the next opponent. But now that you've had the time to digest the film from Rhode Island and we are 
nearly 12 hours from tip, as ridiculous as, it, as that is to say with field trip day. Uh, that LaSalle game in Philadelphia was a frustrating, frustrating loss and just seemed like the fourth quarter, nothing went right. It seems like this is the first time the team's had the opportunity for a revenge game. You're at the Mullen Center. How do you convey that to the team to, to get them you know, fired up from, from, the, from tip? Yeah, well, some of it's got to come from me, and, and a lot of it's got to come from them. You know, I can't go out and play for them, and I try to bring the energy each and every single day of practice, and I hope that rubs off. And yeah, It's got to be a championship game for us tomorrow. It has to be that meaningful. And I think for me, you know, having pride in this experience and in the jersey you put on, if you have that, tomorrow's a championship game for you. And if you're struggling with that, then you're going to struggle in the game in those moments where we need we need everyone. So, you know, I think we talk a little bit about that. I think we've talked about that. We've put in some extra preparation for LaSalle, you know, obviously playing them already, um, just trying – improve on the things we did well and, and clean up some things that we didn't. So we've spent two full days, you know, on the scout, on the prep, which is a little more than we've spent um, for, for some more recent opponents. Um, so if our team can't feel that um, the last two days, and it's something I'll remind them again tomorrow at pregame meal, um, you know, I'm not doing my job, but I've, I've shared that with most of our players individually. It is a big game for us. Yeah, uh, It's a big game for many reasons, revenge being one of them, being at home, um, field trip day, and then just feeling like we let one slip away. And then they took it from us in the fourth quarter. And um, we have something to prove tomorrow. Yeah. And before we let you go, wanted to end it with some trivia. Yeah, I love it. Uh, this one maybe a little bit easier. We'll see. Uh, Lily Talale, who we talked to earlier, has started in 11 games this season, nine games left. She would be on pace to start the games, knock on wood. Uh, who is the last true freshman forward Ooh. to start 20 games for UMass? Maeve Donnelly. Bang. Too no easy. hesitation Too at easy. all. i got to make these more difficult. <laughs> About uh, time I got one. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, that anyways. was an easy one. I recruited yeah. Dave, and, um, you know, after her freshman year, or actually halfway through her freshman year, you know, we joked as a staff. I'm like, well, we have the center position wrapped up for the next four years. So, you know, no stress there. <laughs> but we can laugh about that yeah. now. I guess I yeah. can. <laughs> it, ended up, it ended up being all right for you guys. It so, did. It did. Uh, anyways, thank you so much for joining us. We'll Appreciate definitely have it, more Josh. of these as the season goes on. But you've been listening to the UMass Women's Basketball Coaches Show. Stay tuned and listen to this on Spotify if you're listening live. And thank you so much. We'll see you next time. You're listening to 91.1 WMUA Sports.